Hello, and welcome to the Tennis with an Accent podcast, where we talk about tennis by connecting the present of the sport with its storied past. Be it the nuanced unpacking of the individual stories, long-form interviews, or the detailed tour-level analysis, we have you covered. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tennis with an Accent. This is your host, Saqib Ali. Today, we have a very fun conversation in store for you. I'm joined by Belgian Davis Cup captain and former ATP pro, Steve Darcy. Steve, how are you? Hello, I'm doing uh, very good. What about you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm recovering from a flu, so I apologize to you and the listeners. If I cough, I'll go on unmute, but I think I'm almost 100% back. So the the topic is you. You are the story. Thanks for doing this. Where are you? I know you are driving. What are, what is you, what are you, what have you been doing today? Uh, right now, I had a um, practice with my guys, so I'm in charge uh, with the federation. I'm working for the federation till uh, till three years and a half now, and uh, I'm in charge of the of the player of uh, 18 years old, so like the the pros right after the the junior. So we had uh, yeah two sessions today, and uh, and now I'm going back home to to join my my family. Uh, nice. So talk about the federation. I've talked to a few professionals uh, who are part of different federations. So what does the role entail? I know you also manage Davis Cup. So what are the major responsibilities when you are uh, with your role with the federation? How many players you oversee? What does the calendar look like? Uh, like I said, me, I'm in charge of the professionals, so over 18 years old. So we have uh, Gauthier Onclin is right now uh, to... 240. It was uh, 190 a few months ago. Uh, we have also Rafael Collignon, who is now 440. He was uh, close to top top 200 like a few months, and then he, he had a bad injury, so he stopped for six months. And uh, we have also uh, Emilia Demanet, <laughs> who just uh, started after juniors. So now he he took the his first point ATP points, so now he's like uh, around 950. Uh, so we have three players. We have one physical coach with us, one other tennis coach uh, with me, and uh, yeah, we try to 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 push them to the to the top. Interesting. So, so you the you and the federation supports these guys. I mean, uh, what's a what's a roadmap if someone is you said 18 and above? If a player needs help, they're like in the mid twenties. You still support them, or there's a window that you will only work with the new new players. How does that work? Uh, it depends uh, because we have a criteria. You know, uh, like for example, you when you are 18 years old, you have to be uh, 1,500 ATP. So you need a few points, uh, and if you are selected by the federation, we can give you like kind of help. You know. Uh, uh, some money to travel, the coach, and uh, and you have to pay almost nothing every month, like just a little bit for for the uh, I don't know how to say in English, but like really not much money. So it's mm-hmm. pretty much for free if you have the criteria, if you have the the ranking, and then if you are 19 years old, you need to be like top uh, 600. And if you are 20 years old, you need to be top 200, and uh, and and that's it. So it depends on the ranking of the of the criteria. And if you are in the criteria, and we can do something, we're gonna try to help uh, as much as we can. 
Is there any travel involved? If the, your guy makes a qualifying, say, of a major, do you travel or you someone else does that? What kind of a uh, I mean, is that? Yeah, yeah me, uh, I'm doing like uh, around uh, 15 weeks, 15, 17 weeks of traveling. Uh, the other coach with me is doing like around 20 weeks and the physical coach between 5 and 10. So uh, we can cover pretty much everything. And uh, if we are if we are in trouble, you know, with the traveling, we have also coaches under eighteen who can uh, who can join us sometimes, you know. So so the guys they are almost uh, almost never alone, you know. So they are, yeah, I have to say they are very lucky. Absolutely. So let's talk about Davis Cup. You had a good week a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the team <clears throat> advanced. So talk about you know the team's uh, roadmap and how confident are you with this group. And then we'd also talk about Jesus Bags. I think he's uh, someone a lot of people are interested in making some steady progress. So talk about the Davis Cup weekend and Jesus Bags. Uh, yeah, we had of course a great, uh, great week in uh, Croatia. Uh, we were a little bit disappointed at the beginning because uh, we were supposed to have David Goffin in the team, but uh, yeah, at the end he was not there, and uh, of course. Uh, we were not favorite at all. We had a lot of pressure because we wanted to to go back, of course, in the in the finals. So, so Zizou, I have to say, he did a great week, a great weekend. He won two matches. Uh, my double guys, they won also one one important point. Again, a very good team. And, uh, and finally, we finished with three points. So, it was uh, of course the goal at the beginning of the week, but it's a little bit unexpected, you know, because. Like the team in front was very strong with Marin Silic, with double guys, with uh, with uh, Adjukovic. So um, I have to say I'm really proud of the team. Uh, we have a great team. We have a great spirit, and uh, and uh, the young guys they, they 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 show us that they can do some some great uh, great matches also. And uh, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot has been talked about how Davis Cup changed formats a few years ago. Uh, what do you see of this format? Uh, I mean, I know it's old news, but what are your views? Uh, are you happy with the way the cup is played now, or maybe that's the future? We have to embrace it and move on. What are your views on the current Davis Cup? I mean, I I talked a lot about this because when I was playing, I was a big fan of the Davis Cup. But now, for me, it's not the Davis Cup anymore. It's like another competition, you know, like. Uh, I don't want to 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 break uh, what's happening now, but I don't like it at all. Uh, I like the matches home away. I like uh, uh, when we can play in front of the the own crown of the country. Uh, now, okay, it's very good for us because we're gonna play the finals. Uh, obviously, it's a lot of money for the players for the federation, but uh, we're gonna play four teams in one city. Uh, uh, there is almost no one in the stadium except if it's a really big, big match. Um, so I don't like it at all. You know, it's two set, uh, best of three uh, instead of best of five. So uh, two days instead of three days. And uh, like it, but what we can to call it uh, still Davis Cup for me is like a World Team Cup or whatever you want. But for me, it's another competition. Okay, it's, I love the, the the team competition. I love it for sure. I still love what we did uh, 
three weeks ago. But for me, it's something else than Davis Cup. Absolutely. What is the equation uh, with the Belgian uh, sporting fans? Where does tennis rank in Belgium? I know uh, football, soccer has to be number one. But how popular is tennis? And uh, talk about the popularity of the sport from when you started playing. There were, of course, Justine Anna, Kim Kleisters, and you know, you have uh, David Goffin. You played uh, a, a good career. So where does tennis rank in the ecosystem of your country? I think it's still in the best three sports uh, uh, on TV and for the people, you know. Uh, of course, like 10 years ago, we had uh, much more good players. I mean, uh, with Justin, with Kim, with the uh, Rockers brother, Christoph Ligan, Dick Norman. I mean, uh, Flip Kent, Wick Meyer. We were like more than 10 in the in the main row of the of the slams, you know. Uh, now we have maybe one guy, uh, maybe one or two girls. So uh, it's very tough. But I have to say that before we were like very, very, very lucky. And uh, I think the people they don't they don't understand this because they they see that before we had like ten or fifteen players in the in the top hundred boys and girls, and now we have maybe. Uh, one or two, uh, but this is normal. We have a small country, uh, not many people, uh, not many people playing tennis. So uh, it was a miracle before. <laughs> uh, now it's pretty much normal, and uh, but we're still doing uh, good, you know. With the men's, we are still in the top top 16 in the world. With the women, almost the same. Uh, so I think we are doing great, but we were just a bit a bit more lucky before. Hmm. Uh, Bags, right? Uh, wh- what do you think is the potential there? Uh, you think this is a guy who could maybe uh, make his way to the top 50 of the world eventually? Uh, talk about his game and his progress that's been made in the last few years. I mean, last year it was uh, he had also big injuries on on the on the arm, left arm. Uh, so he keep, he kept playing, but only with slices. So I think he improved some, some part of his game, like physically the. Maybe the um, the tactical part of the game also, uh, and I saw him like two weeks ago in Davis Cup, and and like he impressed me a little bit. So of course he will crack the top hundred soon. I think uh, totally possible that he will be top fifty and maybe more uh, because he's uh, he's clever, he's motivated, he's put putting a lot of work in in his tennis. A uh, lot of concentration, and uh, and I think we we can be we can be very very surprised uh, very soon. No, looking forward to his progress. Uh, Me too. So, so let's talk about how it started for you, your journey. Who who? What was your motivation? Why did you pick up tennis as as a young boy? And then talk about your influences, be it parents, be it a role model. How did uh, the Steve Darcy's journey with tennis start. Um, my father was a uh, was tennis teacher, so I started with him uh, a little bit uh, when he finished uh, the day. Uh, my mother was also in sports, so yeah, I was uh, I was in the sport like from very very early, and then uh, I was playing soccer in the same time in a in a very good team in uh, in Belgium. Uh, and uh, then I started to to be uh, to be a little bit with the federation, 
And then uh, at 11 years old, the Federation told me, okay, uh, we want you in, uh, in the Federation Center. So I need to choose, okay, I continue soccer or I play only tennis. So I choose to I choose tennis. And then I was to the I went to the federation. Uh, and I start like this and I play on the 12, on the 14, on the 16. I was not I mean I was one of the best in Belgium, but uh, uh, in in international I was very bad. And then I start to win matches uh, in juniors. I finished top 10. And then after that, okay, I talked to my parents and I said, okay, I finished school. And then after school, I told them I want to, to try one or two years. And uh, and they said, okay, we're going to try for you. And uh, after two years, we're going to see if, uh, if, if, it's possible, if it's good to continue or not. And I improved pretty fast. Uh, I was playing good and... Uh, and then I continue, and finally I was yeah I was uh, I was top uh, top forty. I played two final Davis Cup. I won two titles. I won few challenges. So it was not uh, not so bad. <laughs> no, it was pretty good. Uh, we'll talk about the Nadal match and some of the other big wins you had, but let's uh, look at the process. Uh, tennis is, I think, I'm a fan for life. So tennis has gotten bigger and stronger, right? Uh, how how do you compare the tennis when you were coming up to the tennis that's being played today? Some may say it's not that much of a gap. You were you just retired like three or four years ago. But how is uh how do you think has tennis changed since the days you know you made your debut on the tour to compare to what we have today with the likes of uh, you know Yannick Sinner and all these guys who are six five or above and they move like a dream. So how has tennis changed uh, over the years? Yeah. I, th- I think, uh, of course, there is taller player. They play a bit faster, maybe. They get a bit stronger physically, maybe, also. Um, for me, this is not the, the big difference. Uh, for me, th- there is a big difference before, is, is that uh, much more uh, players are playing good tennis. I mean, uh, when I was seeded in Challenger before, it was pretty much no chance that you lose before the quarterfinal because you were a seeded player and you were playing guys. Okay, good players, but not like now. Like now, you go in Challenger, you can lose every day in the first round. You can lose in qualities, you can lose. So many players, much more players are playing very good. So between uh, number one and be- between number maybe... 400 is very good players. So a guy like 250 can beat a guy 18 the world. And before it was not not as clear. I have to say. Hmm. It's very interesting. So why do you think that has happened? People, players move better. You think uh, even if you look at your own country, you think the facilities are better. People, players train better. I mean, what do you think is making this gap less? And you're right because back in the day, even the top players would win first round in Grand Slam 6-1, 6-2, doesn't happen that much now. So why do you think that change? Yeah, this doesn't exist, doesn't exist anymore. It's true. Uh, really, it's, it's very tough for me to say because I'm not sure if I know the, the answer. <laughs> uh, I think everybody is much professional before, maybe. So they train uh, maybe a little bit harder from young age. Uh, before it was a bit different because uh, 
I cannot say tennis was new, but like in Belgium, we had coaches, but not with a lot of experience. And now we have many coaches with big experience, ex-player. Uh, so maybe this can help to be a better player before. This I don't know. But uh, yeah, clearly the, the, the big difference is that a lot of players are playing better. So no easy mm. matches, uh, no, no rest. Uh, they play uh, more. So they play many, many tournaments. And uh, yeah, but I cannot say that I'm impressed by the, by the top 10 now. They play unbelievably good. This is for sure. But the top 10, like five years ago, for me, they impressed me the same. Mm, interesting. What what impressed what impressed me a lot is that it's a player like 215 in the world who is playing that good. This impressed me much more than the top ten. I have to say. Okay, so you, okay, I get it. Okay, so you're saying there's big improvement towards the lower ranks. The competition is tough. The top ten I five think, years ago was also good. Okay, I get it. So for me, I think this is the big difference. Absolutely. So again, you know, you are five foot five foot ten. You know, like that's not short by any means you know a guy walking on the street at 510 is considered decent height but in tennis you know it's it's getting bigger and bigger so we've had some good players like Nishikori Hewitt uh, players who are below six Goffan I think is below six or just six so I think over yeah yeah a bit yeah. over <laughs> okay so but I, I, uh, we usually associate guys who are below six or 510 511 have great footwork you think that's the way to look at it because if you are giving few inches on height you have to move exceptionally well. Not that, say, Daniel Medvedev or Yannick Sinner are not moving well, but uh, so use your experience as a professional tennis player. Did you see being 5'10 as slightly a more challenge in a game where, of course, you said there was Agassi and they, you can always name Korea, they were players exceptionally. But yeah, did, you see, yeah. did you see that as an extra challenge to, to rise to, you know, you rose to number 38 in the ranks. That's not easy to do. It's, it's extremely hard in your profession to be that high. So talk about your height and your experience in tennis because it's getting bigger and taller, as we see. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, tennis is now we have only uh, how can I say big guys? <laughs> uh, uh, like my height, ah, uh, you have uh, yeah, you have Schwarzman, you have Oliver Rockus. What was complicated is to be not so tall, so you have no easy point. You have to fight for every point. Uh, backhand with one hand or so it's tough because the, the game is extremely fast now and uh, but you need to develop something else you know something something extra like uh, me I try to develop my 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 movement and my game so mixing the game a lot uh, with the slice with the drop shot with the coming to the net a little bit more and uh, uh, but it was it was tough because, like I said, you have no easy point on your serve, so you have to fight, and uh, and you have no rest. You cannot you cannot say, okay, today I'm tired. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to serve like two or three aces every game. Um, so it was it was tough, but uh, uh, I mean it's part of the game. You have tall guys, you have small guys, but uh, if you can develop some something else. You have a chance. You have a chance, and uh, there is many, many players who are smaller than me and much better than me. Also, so yeah. Now you don't you don't need to be told to to be a good player, but yeah, it's a little bit easier maybe. But I mean, 
you can see also small guys they can still still reach the top hundred also. Huh? Uh, exactly. Now let's uh, talk about some of uh, the big wins you've had, and the biggest was at Wimbledon in 2013. Talk about your form coming into that match. It's not an easy first round anywhere to play Rafael Nadal, and uh, you you delivered one of the best performances, maybe the best performance of your career. So talk about you know what happened before the match and what do you remember of after the match. Um, yeah, it's 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 funny because I think it's one of the best moments of my life. I mean, of my career, and at the same time, it's one of the worst. Uh, because okay, before the match, I said okay, uh, I play Rafa. Uh, he never lost first round in a slam. Uh, I am tired because I just got a, a baby a few weeks uh, before, and I was playing. Uh, I was playing so and so, not so good. Uh, and to play Rafael on a big court, I say I'm gonna be fast at home. So I was not believing so much, I have to say. And during the match, I said, okay, I have to, I have to go for it. I have to try my chance, uh, but I need to start the match good. If I start bad, it's gonna be tough. So I, I, I took my chance. I went to the net. I, I was very aggressive, and uh, and it was tough. The match was very tight. Um, and uh, and during the match, I felt on the shoulder, and during two games, I felt not so good. I felt some pain, but with the um, with the stress, with the adrenaline, with everything, it was uh, disappear. So I could finish the match. I win the match, and uh, ten minutes after the match, I couldn't lift my my arm up. So mm. I knew that it was for sure finished for the day after. So. When you know when you know that you have to do all the interviews or the, or the TV after, or like take you so much energy, so much time, and you know that you have almost no chance to play two days after. So I was feeling very bad, uh, and that's why I say it's one of the best, maybe one of the best win of my life, but also is is the one of the worst moments of my life or so because after that match I stopped almost for one year so it was was tough but in the same time it was a I mean the people they every time they talk about my my tennis life they talk about this match so yeah it was nice yeah yeah life can be cruel like you said the biggest moment then followed by the biggest disappointment for not taking on yeah. the court at Wimbledon yeah. um and you, you've you've had also some other big wins. Like I think you beat Tomas Burdick at the Olympics, and then you've beaten Nikolai Davidenko. Uh, talk about some of the other big moments that we uh, don't get to talk about. Yeah, I beat Burdick, I beat Davidenko, I beat Andy Roddick, I beat. Uh, I mean, many good guys. I think. Uh, uh, but the Olympics, yeah, it was was something special because. Uh, we had a bit of problem with Belgium because the, the Olympic Committee of Belgium they didn't want to send us, you know, because they say, okay, we send people who has only chance of uh, to get a medal. So in tennis, you never know. You have big surprise, you know. Uh, if you see Di Pasquale, if you see some guys, uh, they, had, uh, they had medals and they were not favorite at all. So uh, finally, they, they send us. I beat Thomas Berdic, I beat Giraldo, I beat, and then I lost to Almagro in uh, in the third round. So it was 
it was a good performance. It was not unbelievable, but still was good. And uh, it's always special, you know, to uh, to play a sport and to be in the on the Olympics. When you start to to play tennis, you want to play Davis Cup, you want to play the slams. And uh, me, I wanted also to play Olympics because when you are young, you you watch Olympics all the time. So it was kind of a goal, and uh, it was a, a, a nice memory. Uh, that's good. Good to hear. Olympics always been a special part. I think you hear from many players how how they cherish the moment to represent the country and go out there it's and tough. compete. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough for the for the other sports for the other athletes sometimes because they don't understand why tennis is a Olympic sport because we are winning money, you know, and some sports mm. they don't win any money or not much, and they make. If they make a medal, they have big money. But I mean, it's not only part of the money. It's uh, it's like Olympic Games. It's you don't play for money. If I had to to pay for my trip, to pay for everything, I would do it. I would pay because I wanted to be in the Olympic team. You know, uh, and and some people they don't understand this. No, it's it's uh, definitely a balance between you know that life on the tour, the ranking, and the points and the money versus you know the national honor. But going back to the injury after the Nadal match, talk about injuries in general. How hard it is. We always read about players going through injuries. How did injuries impact your career, and how do you look back? Did you did you look back at some regret that you could you know you were not allowed to play on your own terms longer, or you accept that injuries are part of sport and some guys just deal with it more than the others? It's part of the sport. It's part of your your genetic. Also, I think uh, some people they 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 are more professional than others. So some people they eat a little bit better, and uh, I think so many so many criteria is, is getting into injuries. So I have to say, for me. Uh, uh, I was a little bit unlucky, you know, with Nadal. I, I felt on the shoulder. I break a ligament. I had to 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 do a surgery. Uh, so it took me one year to come back. And then, of course, when you have a surgery in the shoulder, uh, then you start to have problem with your wrist, with your elbow. Then I had surgery in the in the wrist, and then uh, I had big problem in the elbow. Uh, I stopped one year or so with my elbow. And when I started again, it came back after two months. So that's why I, I, I quit because I had to do surgery in the elbow also. And I said, okay, this time is too much, too much for me. Uh, I like the game. And if I had not the, this problem, I'm sure maybe I, I was still playing now. Mm. Um, but with this, it was too much mentally. I was dead uh, to be top 50, then to drop like 500 to come back. It takes. It's very tough to 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 crack the top 100. You know, it's it's not. I have to say, if you have the level, it's not so tough to stay in the top 100, but it's very tough to to crack it and, and to come back. Has retirement, life after retirement, been easy? Because athletes have a very small shelf life. You know, you've been playing since a young boy, but the professional tennis on the main tour. Uh, you know, it can vary. Some people can play 15 years. Some people can play eight or 10 years, injuries or whatever. So how was your transition when you retired? Has it been easy? And I know now you are 
you seem like you're in a very good spot. You know, you are part of the Federation. You manage the Davis Cup. So was it easy to retire with an injury? How do you look back at the time? Uh, it was tough at the beginning because I, I didn't want to stop, you know, like, but, but I had so much pain. Uh, so I had no, no pleasure to go back on court because it was so painful. So if you think about this, uh, I, I took like two, three months for me, uh, to think a little bit and to see what I wanted to do. And, uh, what I want to do is to, to, to teach tennis. It's to, to give my experience to the, to the guys, to the young kids. So what I do now, it's, it's like, I love it. I mean, I feel great. I, I love what I do. Uh, I love the Davis Cup, and now I am Davis Cup captain. So it's like kind of a dream. Uh, so I cannot, I cannot feel better. You know, I do what I love. I still travel a little bit. Uh, I can have time with my family. Uh, so I enjoy what I do, and uh, and my life after after tennis. I have to say. <laughs> Uh, I love it. I can have a glass of wine. I can see my friend. I can, uh, I do what I love and uh, this is perfect. Will you go back to tour as a coach if you're one of, you know, you get approached by a player and or will you, you know, will travel become an issue? Because right now you're not, you're traveling since 15, 17 weeks. So if you go back as a full-time coach, is that something that excites you? <laughs> Uh, if I had no, no, no wife, no kids, I would love to travel like with a, with a very good player. I, I had some offer, of course, uh, with very good players, but you have to travel like 30 weeks, uh, maybe more. And this I don't want to do because I have a family. I want to, to have time with them. You know, I, I did so much, so much before now. I do 15, 17, 18 weeks. Okay, this is this is okay, but I don't want to do more right now. If my children are 25 years old, maybe. But right now, I want to have time with them and uh, I want to enjoy life uh, a little bit different, you know. I don't want to travel that much now. Mm, absolutely. All right, so let's wrap this conversation. A few more questions. I'll let you go. Um, yeah. Again, you know, we always look at who's winning because from the fans point of view champions grand slam world number 1 all that stuff but everyone like you know you had a good career a great achievement number 38 in the world how many people can say they are top 40 in the world in what they do uh, but that's more like perspective so my question uh, i'm trying to frame a question on david goffan he's been a top 10 player made the atp finals has some good top 10 wins he's had few injuries so does he get the recognition in Belgium that he deserves or you need to win a slam to be that popular? Uh, do people appreciate what he has achieved? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I'm, I will talk about Belgium because I don't know the other countries. Uh, I'm sure if you win a slam, this is, this is uh, different. Uh, what David achieved for me, it's like it's unbelievable. It's it's uh, it's amazing. It's uh, it's uh, for me. It's a genius, you know. Uh, and the people here, they they talk very bad about about what what is ranking now, the way he's playing now. Okay, what he did, it was good, but uh, 
he could do better if mentally he was better. Uh, he just reached the top 10 for a few weeks. But they, they don't understand, you know, the people who are in tennis, who knows all the, all the work he, he, he put in his job or the sacrifice or the, the it's, it's, it's unbelievable what he did. So yeah. me, and... I, me, I, I have a lot of respect, and uh, for me, it's a genius what he did. But the people that they, they don't, if you are not number one like Justine, like him, it's mm. it, it's not enough. It's not enough, you know. And uh, now he is one one ten. He's trying to come back to the top hundred. He had bad, bad loses, and the people they talk bad about this because they 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 don't understand what 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 he has to do to be that good you know so it, it's you know, tough yeah i think you said something very important there because the people the fans the media they got spoiled by the success of justine and kim who were great champions but sometimes you lose sight of someone as great a player as goffin is look i remember a few years ago philip kohlschreiber said something that he was number one german for a long long time but it was never good enough because germans always wanted the next steffi graf and next boris becker and it doesn't happen so I think that's where it. That's why I asked you because you know the man, uh, you know well. So and yeah, that's a. That's a like, that's... I think it's like in every country, the, the the United States is the same. They want number one. If you are not number one, you are not good enough. In Belgium, it's a small country. Uh, there is a lot of people who they, they don't know so much about tennis, but they they were following Kim, Justin. And what they did, it's it's amazing. I have no word for what they did because it's so big. But what David did, it's also unbelievable. And and sometimes it's it's tough because they they just want big title. They, they just want uh, numbers, you know. If you are not number one, number two, or if you don't stay twenty years in the top ten, it's not good enough. But I mean, if what he what he what he did, what he's still doing, it's it's big. It's it's really big. Amazing. So, how do you look back at tour? Who are some of your friends? Do you have any good stories to tell here to the listeners? Besides the Belgian guys, who were you close uh, to? I was close of the French guys uh, like Marc Giquel, Nicolas Mahut, uh, uh, Beneteau, uh, the French guys, uh, Dudi Sela, uh, Marcos Bagdatis, uh, all those guys. But, but like tennis is like individual sport, you know. So if you quit tennis, you still have a bit of contact, but not so much, not so much. So, but I'm not missing the. I'm not missing this because uh, I have a lot of friends outside tennis. I have few friends is inside tennis, and we keep chatting, you know, sometimes with a WhatsApp, with calling or something, or seeing in the tour, or and we have coffee, we have a beer or whatever. But it's not like big, big friends, you know. I'm not going to go in, in their house. Uh, they're not going to come in my house. So I'm not missing this because tennis is like, it's like uh, how you say in English, it's, um, uh, it's a selfish word. <laughs> mm, interesting. And plus, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's your job, right? It's your day job. Like I have friends in real life, then I have friends at work. When work is over, your other friends are your real friends. And not saying you don't make good friends at work, but I think, yeah, you're right. And you're competing with these guys for ranking and titles and money. So, yeah, I'm sure. 
yeah, it's it tough. It's like you business. say, you co- you're competing with them, but the the men's tour, I, I I cannot talk so much about the women tour because I, I was not so much uh, uh, in into the stories. But the men's tour, okay, you play one day, but you can never drink the same day with the guy, you know. So it's we are not friends, but we are okay, kind of friends. Uh, so we have very good contact with each other. We we win, we lose, but the next day we can have a beer together or coffee or talk. So it, it's a bit selfish, but it's not like best friend, but it's like people who who you have good contact. I cannot say in English, but you have good contact, mm. but you are not best friend. <laughs> Yeah, I remember, I think, was it Safin or Guga? Someone said this, I think, a long time ago. It stayed with me. They said, this is, tennis is a, a very fun sport, but it can be alone because it's like you're traveling with a bunch of colleagues who can be your friends and some guys not, but you travel the world with this, pretty much the same crew week in, week after, and then you get to know them, but they're still not your friends. They're colleagues. Yeah, that's it. But but with many guys, you can have drinks. We, we, you can talk in the locker room or around the coffee or whatever, but okay, when the tournament is done, uh, you have no news and uh, life continue. <laughs> any any famous or any interaction with any any big three story because we live in the era of Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, all these guys, Federer's gone, Nadal's trying to come back and Djokovic's still the best player. Any story for the listener you have with one guy or two guy or anything that is funny to share with? Uh, I need to think very fast now, but I've no, uh, not so much. I, I, I just want to say I know that I played. I played Nadal. I played Djokovic. I played Federer. Um, but for me, okay, the numbers, everything. Djokovic is the best. There is no no clue about that. But the the, the guy who impressed me the, the the most by far is Federer. Like I played him in U.S. Open uh, after beating Bagdatis. He kicked my ass like 6-1, 6-2, 6-1. No chance. We played like one hour 15 maybe. Uh, so he was so impressed. I played Nadal. I, you can play tennis against him. If you play Djokovic, you can play tennis. You can, okay, you lose most of the time, maybe all the time, but you have chances, you know. Uh, you can play and maybe you lose 7-5, 6-1, but you play like one hour 40. But with Federer, if he's in good shape and if he wants, you play uh, like 6-1, 6-1, 6-1, and you play uh, 50 minutes. <laughs> so for me, it was so so impressive to play this guy. Mm, interesting. All right, so since we talked about these guys, Djokovic is still the best player in the world. Sinner won the Australian Open. How do you see, as an analyst, how do you see the top of the game? Uh, any prediction for what's going to happen the rest of the year? Do you see it's a race between Djokovic, Alcaraz, and Sinner? Do you still think Djokovic is clearly the best if he's playing his best? He still wins, you know, a few more majors this year. How do you see the top of the game? I think, uh, yeah, Djokovic for me is still the best. But you have Medvedev, you have Alcaraz, you have, um, uh, I think, Zverev. Uh, but I was very impressed by Sinner. And I think now, like Sinner uh, showed to everyone that he can win a slam. I think it will be really impressive the next few years. So I'm really looking forward to, to see Sinner again in the slam because I think it would it would be uh, really impressive now. 
Yeah, and one more thing about Djokovic, right, the age, because we are not used to seeing tennis players play this late. Of course, we've had Agassi and, you know, we have Jimmy Connors and, you know, Federer played till very late. But uh, Djokovic is dominating the sport. How impressed are you with the longevity this guy has done over the last few years? Everybody knew what he is, but to be able to do this again and again, uh, that must mean something. Yeah, what he's doing is 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 crazy. It's uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know if someone can talk about this because me, I don't know how he's doing this, uh, what he's doing, or how we train, or but he's. His shape is unbelievable. Okay, we know everything that he's eating very healthy. He has a very healthy life. And this is, I think, the, the biggest point is that he's taking care of, of his body like maybe no one else. So maybe the this is the clue. But what he's doing is, is like so impressive. So it's, it's crazy. Uh, his mentality is maybe the strongest one of the strongest guy in the world, I think. Yeah, that's a great way to sign off here. So, Steve, this was a wonderful chat. Thank you for doing this. I know you've had a long day. You were in car, going back to your family. Uh, Yeah, it was a pleasure. And we'd love to host you again at Tennis with an Accent. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.